Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Pastor Larry Davis. All right. <clears throat> so, uh, I'm not a big fan of ice. Uh, I just don't like ice all that much, and I just need to tell you why. Uh, because it's just a waste of time. It, uh, it ruins things. All the condensation on the outside of your cup you have to like put a coaster under it, and then your table starts falling apart because it gets wet, and then you get on your hands and your clothes. It's just a mess. The other thing that it does, ice, is uh, it takes up space that's needed for the good stuff, right? <laughs> right? So anytime I go, especially anytime I go to a place where you only get one refill, right? No ice, because I want this much Coke or whatever the good stuff is to you and this much ice. Not this much ice and this much of the good stuff, right? Some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. So ice is no good. So right now, I want you guys to think about what's your ice, your stuff that's just no good, that's taking up this much space and leaving this much space for the good stuff, like God. When you can get rid of that ice, and have this much of the good stuff of God and have this much ice. So this morning, we're going to talk about what your ice is. So to start that off, I have a question. And this is an interactive time again. So you're going to have to turn to the person next to you. And I would like you to tell them, what's the dirtiest you have ever been? What's the dirtiest you've ever been? So go ahead and turn to the person next to you and tell them. And then I'll grab some. grab a couple. I'm going to start over here, this section. I need a hand to raise so I can pick you and I can hear. Yes. Young Life Camp. All right. Young Life Camp. I'm down. Mud Wars. Yes. Another one from over here. A hand. Like this. Yes. When you used to pick grapes, yes, dirty. All right, over here. Smoking cigars, I it. Smoking cigars, dirty. Yes. You got flour all over you, dirty. I like it. What's over here? Yes. I met a bear once. You met a bear once. You dirtied yourself. Yes. <laughs> yes. We're just going to move on. Yes. No showers for a week. Dirty. All right. So uh, I heard one good one one time, and I was like asking the same question, and this is the answer I got. Woodstock. <laughs> dirty. All right. So... Moving on from that. All right, so this morning we're going to talk about confession. And that's kind of what some of you guys just did. Confession is to admit one's guilt when you were dirty. <clears throat> All right, so 
Getting into confession, I want you guys to think about what's your ice? What's your dirty little secret or your own little secret keeping you from God? Keeping you from better relationships with people, with friends, with family, with God, with coworkers, with this treasure of Jesus. Is it just that easy to go ahead and just say it and that be confession and then it's done? Do we just confess and move on? What keeps us from giving those things away, right? What keeps us from even talking about it? What keeps us from handing it over to God, getting rid of the chains or the ice in our life? For me, for a lot of us, I know one of the big ones is pride, right? Pride is a huge one. Uh, in Arizona, there was a, a family that had like five acres, and they had like a little farm when I was younger. I used to go over there, and they had a pig, a potbelly pig that was like 220 pounds and like two feet tall, huge, named Netta. Netta, I think, was Hispanic, loved salsa and taquitos and tortillas, like you could get her to go wherever. Well, Netta one day had bacon bits, little teeny Nettas that were running around. She had like 10 or 12 of them or so, and uh, they were growing older, and I decided I need to make a pen to catch all the little bacon bits so then I can sell them. So they're like, yeah, make a pen. So I'm building this pen. It's all ready to time to catch the little bacon bits, right? So uh, I get Netta far, far away, and someone else coerces Netta with salsa and tortillas and taquitos and stuff. So she's doing her own thing, and I'm like ready to catch a pig. I'm going to, I've like worked hard to make this little pen and all that jazz. So my family's there. The people who own the place is there. They're, you know, sitting back having a good time. And I enter the ring and it's on. So I'm running around and this is a lot of work because they're like all like clamoring in the corner like, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I'm like losing my breath and they're laughing at me. I cannot get one because as soon as I touch it, it freaks out and freaks me out. I know, I just said it. So finally, I think they were teasing me. They hand me a giant net. So I'm like, easy, I'm going to dominate. So I get in there with my net, and I'm going to scoop up pigs by the dozens, but there's only nine. <clears throat> so I go, and I slap it down, and I pin one sideways on its neck. It's like, rrr, rrr, like, oh, whoa, whoa. Well, all this screaming has made Netta a little irritated. And I think she's not interested in the salsa and taquitos anymore and has wandered back my direction. But I'm in a big pin. I am protected. So I'm going down. It's freaking out. And I go down and I pick up Redneck. Redneck was the pig's name. It got a red collar stuck around. It was little side notes just for your information. So I've got Redneck. And I'm excited. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm holding it up. And everyone's like, whoa, check it out. I'm like, oh, I got a pig. And it's like freaking out everywhere. And I'm like walking around the corner like I'm so proud. And I got this pig. And all of a sudden I hear like slow, it was like all oh, slow motion clouding my head. My mom going, we, Netta got it. And I'm like, whoa. And then all of a sudden, I can see this, like, cloud of dirt <laughs> coming towards me. As I, like, look back and I see 200 and something pounds of something, whatever you want to call it, coming at my leg to eat it. And I freak out. It went from, yeah, woo, <laughs> as I start to run. Now, I am running full speed with this pig, thinking into my mind, this is all happening very fast. Why is this pig chasing me and does what to eat me? I worked really hard for this pig, and it is mine. I am keeping it. 
And this pig is saying, no, 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 it's mine, and I want it back. But I'm saying, no, 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 I worked hard for it. I caught it, I want it, and I want to keep it. So I kept running, and I see the owner of like, the pig at the gate, like ready to open it up, like he's going to let like, a buck and bull out. <laughs> and I go, and finally I decide, I'm going to die. <laughs> so I take the pig, and I decide, you want it, you can have it. And as I'm running, I turn around, and I throw it at the pig at Netta. It hits Netta. Aw. <laughs> Sorry, I was supposed to get sad there. Oh, I threw it. Dang it. <laughs> so... <laughs> I keep going, I'm running, my dad's like on the table going, oh, run, son. My mom's like already inside, my sister's around the corner crying, oh gosh, oh gosh. And the pig stopped, and then it's checking out, little bacon bit, he was fine. The pig was fine. Yeah, oh, we're applauding for a pig, it's awesome. So he was, he was totally good, and I was like freaked out, and it was a funny story, and blah, blah, blah. But point of the story is, I worked hard for that. That was my pig. And I had a lot of pride about it. And just like God sometimes chases us down and we hold on to our own thing and run and like, no, no, I got it. And when everything gets crazy, then we want to turn around and throw it back to him and think it's all good. But we keep running the other direction. So we're going to talk about a great, crazy, fun story. One of my favorites, it's in the Bible. It's about a crazy nudist. I know. A lot of you guys are like, what the? Let me see that. Where is that at? It's in Mark. So go ahead and open up your Bibles. Somewhere by the, on the seats there near you. Uh, it goes Matthew, Mark. It's the second book of the New Testament. It's going to be Mark 5. We're going to kind of hang out. The story is also in Luke 8, so I'm going to refer to Luke 8 a little bit this morning as well. So let me give you a little prequel. Uh, what had just happened is uh, Jesus left one side of the Lake of Galilee and is sleeping in a boat, and a storm rages. And it's just him and his disciples, and the disciples are freaking out because they're going to die because it's a bad storm. So they wake him up. I'm like, how are you sleeping? We're going to die. Do you not care if we die? And so Jesus gets up and is like, man, I'm tired, and like makes everything calm and still, the storm calm and still, and then goes back to sleep. And the disciples are like, whoa, who is this guy? So then they pull up onto shore where they were traveling to, and the first thing they do when they get out is Jesus gets out, they start walking up shore, they see a crazy naked nudist running right out of them with chains. Like, bleh, bleh. Now, I don't know about you, if I ever like rolled up on a situation I saw like a crazy naked man running at me, I would be going the other direction. And I would have been like, yo, Jesus, let's go back. All row, you walk, meet you on the other side. All right. Let's get out of here. Peace out. Jesus didn't do that. He walked right at him and was like, get out of him. Get out of him. He knew that this man was possessed with demons and evil spirits. And so this man goes running up to him. I'm going to read from Luke 8 real quick. You guys don't want to go there. I'll read it for you. It says, when Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but he had lived in the tombs. When Jesus saw, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want from me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torture me. For Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demons into the solitary places into dark, dark places. It says in Mark 5, too, that um, 
He would cut himself with stones and scream at night. And he was chained, and people would continue to chain him up. <clears throat> so then it comes to this point, and this gets to be one of my favorite parts, is Jesus asks him his name. And so he says, well, what is your name? And he wanted to know, not because, you know, he's not wearing any clothes. It's not like he's got a name tag on. It says, hey, my name's Crazy Harry. He says, what is your name? And the man replies, our name is... All right, that's just creepy. <laughs> Who says that? Our name? Do, 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 do. Like there's a bunch of you? So he does that. Our name is Legion. Legion is like a platoon. It's many. So this man in him has a legion, many, a platoon of demons inside of him. A legion of them. So then Jesus does this in Mark 5... Verse 11, this is the best part. It says, A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off to report this to the town people in the countryside. All the people came out to see what had happened. Oh, this is where it gets good. Could you just imagine? You've already been imagining with me, but imagine further along the story here. you got a naked guy freaking out, and everyone's like, whoa, what's going on? And there's these guys sitting out there with like a herd of 2,000 pigs. Now, these are just like... Uh, they're not extremely educated people. These are like swine pokers. Like, uh, you know, that's just their job. They're outside of town. They're kind of like, it's not the good job to have. They're twiddling like, that. there's a pig. Yep, he's eating food. That's what he does. Now, you come onto the scene to be like, whoa, what's going on? Naked man running towards that man. And all of a sudden, <laughs> you see all your pigs freak out and run into the water. What are you going to do? You got to go tell them. So I can just imagine, as it says, ran off into town being like, yes, yeah, sir, sure. I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, a big one just went, just went right in the water. All of them followed them in. No, sure, they could not swim. It was sick and sad. All of them are dead. They're, it's, they're floating. it's like a pig pontoon out there. It is a dirty mess. It's deviled ham. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Oh. <laughs> so. So everyone comes running out because it's not like they got news cameras and, you know, like the helicopter's like, there's pigs everywhere in the water, folks. We're not going to eat for years. So they, uh, everyone has to come out and see it for themselves because they're like, what? And they come out there and then they come around the corner and they see, it says right here, it says, when they came to Jesus, they saw that the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in the right and in his right mind, and they were afraid. So then, what they do? They said, "Jesus, you're freaking us out. You just kill all our pigs. Uh, can you please leave?" And so Jesus is like, "All right, I'm out of here." And turns around, and gets back in the boat. Now Peter, he's the smart one of the group, likes to make sure everything's in line and such. So he's looking around, doing the count, you know, just like you do when you're getting on the school bus. We got everybody, and he's like, "One, two, three. We have fourteen. What is the deal?" There's 12 disciples, one Jesus. What's going on? And they realize, Crazy Harry's in the boat. <laughs> so they're like, no, no, no. And Jesus is like, Crazy Harry, you have got to go. 
go back to your family. Go back to your family. And he begs him, no, please don't make, I want to go with you. He says, go back to your family. So let's unpack this just a little bit more. This is what I want you to hear. Jesus goes where no one else would go. Notice that he gets into this boat and crosses the lake, gets off offshore, does this little scene, and then gets back and crosses back over. It seems that Jesus went out of his way to visit. What made this trip so important? This uh, region of Garces is where he went to is deep in Gentile territory. Gentiles are very unclean people. They weren't just any Gentiles in this region. These were Romans. Jesus enters this region, and these are the ten cities that were built to exert imperial dominance in the area. And Gentiles, they worship other gods. They're sexually immoral. They're offensive and disgusting. I suppose an area like that might have a little bit of a reputation like now of like Las Vegas, Sin City, when we think of that. And Jesus makes a special visit. Jesus visits a man amongst the tombs. That's another red flag. What's going on? Why are we hearing this story? Numbers 19 says that if you come into contact with a corpse or touch anything associated with death, you will be unclean for seven days and you must purify yourself. And if you don't, you'll defile the, the, you will defile the tabernacle of the Lord and you will be cut off from your people. This guy hasn't just touched a dead body He's living with them in the tombs, cut off from his people. He's unclean. And then the pigs he sent the demons into, pigs are unclean animals, a symbol of paganism at that time. So where am I going with this? Unclean region, unclean place, unclean animals. Jesus meets a man with, in verse 2, Mark 5, says, an evil spirit. But in the Greek, it says, an unclean spirit. Jesus goes where no one else would go. He goes where no one else would go. He comes into contact with this man possessed with hundreds of demons. It says that he has superhuman strength because they kept trying to tie him down. And I understand why they were tying him down. Could you imagine, you know, trying to have a service for grandma and all of a sudden, well, and you're like, whoa, this is bad, tie him down. <laughs> He's covered with dry blood and scars. People tried to tie him down without excess. He's living outside of town, and he's amongst the tombs. Let's take a look at the man. As repulsive as he might look, just at first sight, first appearance, it only begins to hint the storms that are going along inside this man. <clears throat> a legion of demons. This man's life is out of control it's self-destructive. He doesn't have any say in his own fate. He's helpless. He's unable to even speak for himself. When Jesus asked him what your name was, somebody else had to answer for him. He was in a dark place. Are you in a dark place? Have you been in a dark place? What is a dark place? Well, what's your stuff? Your ice? Your chains. Affairs? Affairs could be many things. Could be with work. Many of them. Alcohol? 
sexual immorality, impure thoughts, stealing, lying, time management, your chains and your stuff could be not loving your wife and your kids the way you should, working too much, debt, not listening to God, not spending time with him. You fill in the blank. Some of you may feel like things are like really good, but are they? Are they really good? Are you sitting at Jesus' feet, clothed and of a right mind, changed? It's funny that we had just seen that Jesus had just stilled the storm. And just as Jesus had stilled the storm on the lake, Jesus stills the storm in this man. He sends the demons to the herd of pigs, which go rushing down to the lake into the abyss. And by the time the townspeople show up, the man's sitting there clothed, calm, and of right mind. Jesus restored his humanity. The image of God was once again visible in this man. His life was transformed, forever changed. Jesus had given him his life back. He had given him his life back. So then Jesus once again prepares to embark and go across the Sea of Galilee, and the man follows and begs to go with him. Funny that from the same lips of the man that just begged not to torture him is begging to follow him. Are you changed? Do you really love Jesus? Do you earn to follow him? He was changed of right mind. Jesus took it away because Jesus took away the chains and the stuff. This man was at his feet. Are you at Jesus' feet? This man was spending time with him. Are you spending time with him? So then Jesus said, go back to your family. He says a little bit more than that, but I'm going to stop there because it's really important and sometimes we miss it. Go back to your family. He had a family. You guys know your chains, my chains, my stuff, your stuff, our junk. It hurts those around us, like our family. I mean, just think about it for a second. He had a family. Those things hurt other people. A lot of times we don't even know it. Maybe he had a wife. She's in the grocery store. Hey, that's crazy Harry's wife. It's bad. It's real bad. Right? Maybe, uh, maybe he had a kid. Maybe he had a son. Hey, man, I saw your dad today. Whoa. <laughs> man. Maybe, uh, maybe just, you're not a mom. And mom, every night... Sets an extra spot at the table. Just waiting for Harry to come home. Changed. Just waiting. So I pose this question. How much has Jesus done for you? So to answer this, I think we need to jump back a few paces and consider our condition. Kind of what we've just been talking about. How we're like this demon-possessed man. How are we like this demon-possessed man? I don't know if the word unclean resonates with many of you, but I think for a few of us, maybe feeling dirty is an appropriate description. Maybe shame is a better word. Or maybe we simply just wish we were better people. Maybe it's lust or envy that gets us. Um, Maybe we find ourselves slave to addiction or worshiper of stuff or grades. 
I must admit that I don't think about my sin very often. <clears throat> but it doesn't mean that I don't do it. We all do. Another way some of us are like the man is it seems that he's lost control of our it seems that he's lost control and sometimes we've noticed that we've lost control of our lives. We don't know who we are anymore. A storm is raging in us, swamped by work, family, debt, you name it. We can't even speak for ourselves anymore. We just keep saying yes to things. Maybe you're gripped by fear of what comes next. Maybe where you're going to be after budget cuts. Maybe you wonder where the money's going to come from. Or maybe fear of failure. Jesus goes where no one else would go. He reaches out to unclean people. Us. Unclean us. With our eyes and our stuff. And a few chapters later in Mark, we see Jesus himself, who goes where no one else would go, covered in dry blood, with his own scars, naked, outside of town, among the tombs. Jesus goes where no one else would go. To the cross. To atone for all of our sins. To make us clean and to make us holy. His spirit enters those places inside ourselves that we don't even want to face in order to purify us. Jesus goes where no one else would go to defeat the powers that wreak havoc on our lives. Those powers that storm inside and around us. He walks straight into the storm to set us free, to empower us to go on, to give us our lives back. So on the bottom of your uh, notes, you guys can pop those out. It says, I wrote this down the verse. It says, um, Jesus said, go back to your family. Go tell what the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. So he said, go and tell what the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. So that's what I want you guys to do this week. There's one of your big take-homes. I want you to go and tell what the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. So take your pencil or pen out and write your name right there before go. So it would say, Larry, go tell what the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. You're going to write that and then we're all going to say it. We're going to take it a step further. We're all going to say it together. I'm going to say my name, you're going to say your name, and then we're going to read that. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, you better get it out so you can read it. Write your name. Are you ready? Larry, go tell what the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Do it. You said it, now go do it. Now if you want to take it a step further, write down who you're going to say it to. Write down a name or two. Right now. Are you going to take it a step further? Write down the day you're going to talk to them and when you're going to talk to them. You want to take it a step further? Write down the time you're going to talk to them. Write down the time so you can go do it. If you want to take it even a step further, tell the person next to you who you're telling, when you're telling, what time, and tell them, I need you to call me to help me remember to do this. Because Jesus said, go tell what the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you how he has changed you, how you're of right mind. 
Drop your pride, your stuff, and go tell your story. Go tell your story. Bow your heads. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California. Thank you.